Chapter Six of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six shows the different operations of the same passion in persons of different principles and dispositions. Sir Basil had very much at heart the accomplishment of the promise he had made to Mr. Trueworth, and indeed no one thing could have seemed more strange than that of his being otherwise when so many reasons concurred to engage his integrity he had a real friendship for the person who desired his assistance there were none among all his acquaintance for whom he had a greater regard or who shared more of his good wishes the natural affection he had for his sister made him rejoice in the opportunity of seeing her so happily disposed of and the particular interest of his own passion might well render him not only sincere but also zealous in promoting an affair which would so fully answer all these ends the first breaking the matter to miss harriet had looked upon as the greatest difficulty for he doubted not but when once a belief of mr trueworth's inclinations was properly inculcated in her his amiable person and fine qualities would enable him to make his way as a lover into a heart which had already a high esteem for him as an acquaintance he resolved however not to delay making the discovery and his sisters coming home soon after he ran out of his dressing-room and met them as they were going upstairs into their own chamber with a whole cargo of silks and other things they had been buying hold hold cried he not suffering them to pass pray come in here and let me see what bargains you have been making what understanding can you that are a bachelor have in these things said mrs wellair laughing i have the more need then of being informed replied he that i may be the better able to judge both of the fancy and frugality of my wife whenever i am so happy to get one well well i know all you men must be humoured said mrs wellair in the same gay strain come sister let us unpack our bundles with these words they both went in, and the servant who followed them with the things, having laid them down on the table, withdrew. The ladies then began to open their parcels, and Sir Basil gave his opinion first of one thing and then of another, as they were shown to him, till Miss Harriet displaying a roll of very rich white damask. "'To which of you does this belong?' said Sir Basil. "'To me,' answered she. "'Ha!' i am glad on it upon my soul rejoined he this is an omen of marriage my dear sister i will lay my life upon it that you become a bride in this gown i must first find the man to make me so cried she briskly he is not very far to seek i dare answer said sir basil why then replied she when he is found he must wait till my mind comes to me and that i believe will not be in the wearing of this gown i am of a different way of thinking said he somewhat more gravely than before what would you say if i should tell you that one of the finest most accomplished men in europe is fallen desperately in love with you and has engaged me to be his intercessor i should say nothing answered she but that you have a mind to divert yourself and put me out of humour with my new gown by your converting it into a hieroglyphic in speaking these words she catched up her silk and ran hastily upstairs leaving mrs wellair and her brother together poor harriet said sir basil after she was gone i have put her to the blush with the very name of matrimony 
but i assure you sister continued he to mrs wellair the thing i have mentioned is serious indeed cried that lady in some surprise yes upon my honour resumed he the gentleman i mean had not left me above a quarter of an hour before you came in and i can tell you is one whom you know if i know him replied she after a pause i fancy i need not be at any loss to guess his name by the description you have given me of him for i have seen no man since my coming to town who so well deserves those encomiums as mr trueworth i am glad you think so said sir basil for i am certain your judgment will go a great way with harriet he is in fact the person i have been speaking of and is so every way deserving of my sister's affection that she must not only be the most insensible creature in the world but also the greatest enemy to her own interests and happiness to refuse him he then repeated to her all the conversation he had that morning with mr trueworth the answers that gentleman had given him to the proposition he had made on mrs blanchfield's account his declaration of his passion for miss harriet and every other particular excepting that of the non-payment of her fortune and that he concealed only because he would not be suspected to have been bribed by it to say more of his friend than he really merited mrs wellair was equally charmed and astonished at this report and on sir basil's telling her that mr trueworth was under some apprehensions that the pleasure she took in having her sister with her would be an impediment to his desires she very gravely replied that she was very sorry mr trueworth should imagine she was so wanting in understanding or true affection to her sister as for the self-satisfaction of her company to offer anything in opposition to her interest or happiness after this they had a good deal of discourse together concerning mr trueworth's family and fortune the particulars of both which sir basil was very well acquainted with and mrs wellair being thoroughly convinced by what he said of the many advantages of the alliance proposed assured him in the strongest terms she was able that she would do everything in her power to promote it i'll entertain her on this subject while we are dressing said she your pleasantry on the white damask will furnish me with an excellent pretence i shall begin in the same strain you did and then proceed to a serious narrative of all you have been telling me relating to mr trueworth to which i shall add my own sentiments of the amiableness of his person parts and accomplishments and set before her eyes in the light it deserves the generosity of his passion in refusing so great a fortune as mrs blanchfield for her sake and the respectfulness of it in not daring to declare himself till he had engaged the only two who may be supposed to have any influence over her in favour of his suit i know said sir basil that you women are the fittest to deal with one another therefore as i see you are hearty in the cause shall wholly depend on your management but here kai sister continued he perceiving she was going out of the room i have one thing to add i am to meet trueworth at the chocolate house this evening he will be impatient for the success of the promise i have made him now you know we shall have a great deal of company at dinner to-day and i may not have an opportunity of speaking to you in private before the time of my going to him for that reason we must have some watchword between us that may give an intimation in general how harriet receives what you have said to her oh that is easy cried mrs wellair 
as thus you shall take an occasion either at table or any time when you find it most proper to ask me how i do and by my answer to that question you will be able to judge what success i have had very right replied sir basil and i will be sure to observe there passed no more between them she went directly upstairs to do as she had said and sir basil to pay his morning visit to miss mabel as he usually did every day the humours of these two worthy persons were extremely well adapted to make each other happy sir basil was gay but he was perfectly sincere miss mabel had a great deal of softness in her nature but it was entirely under the direction of her prudence she returned the passion of her lover with equal tenderness yet would not permit the gratification of it till everything that threatened an interruption of their mutual ease should be removed sir basil made no secret of his affairs to her she knew very well that he desired no more at present of her father than the six thousand pounds charged on his estate for miss harriet's fortune and as the old gentleman testified the highest esteem for him and satisfaction in the proposed match she flattered herself that he would at last consent to so reasonable a request but till he did so remained firm in her resolution of denying both her own and lover's wishes the pleasure with which they always saw each other was now however greatly enhanced by his acquainting her with the almost assured hope he had that the difficulty which had so long kept them asunder would soon got over and he should have the inexpressible satisfaction of complying with the conditions her father had proposed without least danger of incurring any inconvenience to himself the clock striking two he was obliged to leave her and go home to receive the company he expected he behaved among his friends with his accustomed vivacity but casting his eyes frequently towards miss harriet he imagined he saw a certain gloom upon her countenance which made him fearful for the effect of mrs wellair's solicitations till recollecting the agreement between him and that lady he cried out hastily to her how do you do sister to which she answered with a smile as well as can be expected brother and then to prevent miss harriet or any one else from wondering what she meant by so odd a reply added after the ugly jolt i have had this morning over london stones in a hackney coach sir basil easily understood that by the words as well as can be expected his sister meant as much as could be hoped for from the first attack on a maid so young and innocent as miss harriet and doubted not but that so favourable a beginning could have as fortunate a conclusion those guests who had dined with him stayed supper also but that did not hinder him from fulfilling his engagement with mr trueworth he begged they would excuse a short excursion which he said he was obliged to make on extraordinary business and accordingly went at the time appointed for meeting that gentleman mr trueworth received the intelligence he brought him with transports befitting the sincerity of his passion he thought he had little to apprehend since mrs wellair vouchsafed to become his advocate it is certainly said sir basil greatly in her power to forward the completion of your wishes as it was to have obstructed them but my dear friend continued he there is no time to be lost the business that brought my sisters to town will soon be over and mrs wellair will then be on the wing to get home to her husband and family you must dine with me to-morrow i shall be able by that time to learn the particulars of harriet's behaviour 
on her first hearing an account of the affection with which you honour her and by that you may the better judge how to proceed this was the substance of all the discourse they had together at that time sir basil went home and mr trueworth adjourned to a coffee-house where he met with something not very pleasing to him it was a letter from miss flora containing these lines to charles trueworth esq my dear trueworth for such you still are and ever must be to my fond doting heart though i have too much cause to fear you cease to wish it else why this cruel absence i have not seen you these three days an age to one that loves like me i am racked to death with the apprehensions of the motives of so unexpected a neglect if my person or passion were unworthy your regard why did you accept them with such enchanting softness and if i ever had any place in your affection what have i done to forfeit it but sure you cannot think of abandoning me of leaving me to all the horrors of despair and shame no tis impossible ingratitude consists not with that strict honour you pretend to and that i still flatter myself you are in reality possessed of you may have done some business but how poor a thing is business when compared with love and i may reply with our english sappho in one of her amorous epistles business you feigned but did you love like me i should your most important business be but whither does my hurrying spirits transport me if i am still so happy to retain any share of your heart i have said too much if i am not all i can say will be ineffectual to move you i shall therefore only tell you that i can live no longer without seeing you and will call on you at the coffee-house this evening about eight till when i am though in the utmost distraction my dear dear trueworth your passionately tender and devoted servant f mellison p s having heard you say letters were left for you at this place and that you stepped in once or twice every day i thought it more proper to direct for you here than at your own lodgings once more adieu do not fail to meet me at the hour scarce could the ghost of a forsaken mistress drawing his curtains at the dead of night have shocked mr trueworth more than this epistle he had indeed done no more than any man of his age and constitution would have done if tempted in the manner he had been yet he reproached himself severely for it he knew how little this unhappy creature had her passions in subjection and though all the liking he ever had for her was now swallowed up in his honourable affections for miss harriet yet he was too humane and too generous not to pity the extravagance of a flame he was no longer capable of returning he wanted her to know there was a necessity for their parting but he knew not how to do it without driving her to extremes he hated all kind of dissimulation and as neither his honour nor his inclination would permit him to continue an amorous correspondence with her he was very much at a loss how to put an end to it without letting her into the real cause which as yet he thought highly improper to do it cost him some time in debating with himself how he should behave in an affair which was indeed in the present situation of his heart pretty perplexing he considered miss flora as a woman of condition as one who tenderly loved him and as one who on both these accounts it would not become him to affront he reflected also 
that a woman who had broke through all the rules of virtue modesty and even common decency for the gratification of her wild desires might when denied that gratification be capable of taking such steps as might not only expose her own character but with it so much of his as might ruin him with miss harriet he found it therefore highly necessary to disguise his sentiments and act towards her in such a manner as should wean her affections from him by degrees without him seeming to intend or wish for such an event he had but just come to this determination when he was told from the bar that a lady in a hackney coach desired to speak with him he went directly to her but instead of ordering the man to drive to any particular house bid him drive as slowly as he could round st james's square this very much startling her she asked him what he meant are all the houses of entertainment in the town said she shut up that we must talk to one another in the street it is impossible for me madam answered he to have the pleasure of your company this evening i am engaged with some gentlemen at the house where you found me and have given my promise to return in ten minutes these words and the reserved tone in which he spoke them stabbed her to the heart ungenerous man cried she is it thus you repay the most tender and ardent passion that ever was you ladies said he when once you give way to the soft impulse are apt to devote yourselves too much to it but men have a thousand other amusements which all claim a share in the variegated scenes of life i am sorry therefore to find you disquieted in the manner your letter intimates love should be nursed by laughing ease and joy sour discontent reproaches and complaints deform its native beauty and render that a curse which otherwise would be the greatest of our blessings i beg you therefore continued he with somewhat more softness in his voice for your own sake to moderate this vehemence be assured i will see you as often as possible and shall always think of you with the regard i ought to do perceiving she was in very great agonies he threw his arms about her waist and gave her a very affectionate salute which though no more than what a brother might have offered to a sister a little mitigated the force of her grief i see i am undone cried she i have lost your heart and am the most wretched creature upon earth do not say so replied he i never can be ungrateful for the favours you have bestowed upon me but discretion ought to be observed in an amour such as ours i have really some affairs upon my hands which for a time will very much engross me make yourself easy then resume that gaiety which renders you so agreeable to the world and depend upon it that to make me happy you must be so yourself when then shall i see you cried she still weeping and hanging on his breast as soon as convenience permits i will send to you said he but there is a necessity for my leaving you at present he then called to the coachman to drive back to the house where he had taken him up it is not to be doubted but she made use of all the rhetoric of desperate dying love and every other art she was mistress of to engage him to prefix some time for their meeting but he would not suffer himself to be prevailed upon so far and he left her with no other consolation than a second embrace little warmer than the former had been and a repetition of the promise he had made of writing to her in a short time. End of chapter 6